nothing worked. It got worse. Sleep got worse in our house. And embarrassingly enough, we got to one night where I think he cried for 90 minutes and ended up barfing in his crib. And that's when I realized, like, what the heck am I doing? Like, this isn't right. So I went back to school. Welcome back to another episode of Moms in the Mic with Mariah. Today is all about sleep educating babies, toddlers, babies with leaps, children with leaps. I think it is just such a good episode about navigating sleep in general. I myself and my husband struggled obviously with a baby that wouldn't sleep the best. I thought I had a good sleeper, but now looking back, I mean, my baby was throwing up and we were navigating two to three hours of sleep for months and it's really just survival mode. It was just really, really hard to navigate, but I just found so much Um, value out of my conversation with Lisa because she talked about getting away from sleep training and really focusing on sleep educating and sleep educating the parents about child's development and what a baby really needs and why a baby may be attached to you and how to navigate that and how to navigate the leaps and how to heal properly um, from postpartum while taking care of a baby. And I think she's just a really wonderful resource. You can find her at Little Village Sleep on Instagram um, and also at Lisa at littlevillagesleep.com. So I just hope you all take something away from this. And for the parents out there who have maybe tried sleep training and paid a lot for these courses, and are trying to navigate that, this may be a great episode for you. Or even for someone just looking for a different avenue other than sleep training to really um, get some sleep um, and understand their baby a little bit more, I think it's a great, great episode to listen to. So I hope you guys really enjoy the episode. And here is Lisa with Little Village Sleep. Enjoy! So Lisa, I'm really happy to have you on because sleep for me uh, was a struggle (laughs) with a newborn. Um, And now I have a toddler and it's um, gotten a little bit better. So I am really, really happy to have you on for listeners um, just to hear a little bit about your philosophies um, around sleep with newborns, toddlers. Um, So yeah, thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. Um, yeah, it's interesting because sleep is like the number one thing that we all talk about before and after we have kids. And I think there's so much information out there that it's hard to really know what's right and what's wrong. And I think the biggest word that always comes up with new moms is like, is this normal? (laughs) Yeah, seriously. I've had my son later in life. I was 36 years old when I had him and, you know, I had everything already all set and already had like my life and had my career prior to having him and decided that I was going to, you know, be a stay at home mom. But I also was a career oriented woman who, you know, I'm very type A, like (laughs) I'd have to have everything in a certain way. Um, Like, you know, schedules and all that kind of stuff. Like I run on a well-oiled machine. So when I was gifted this beautiful boy who did not sleep. (laughs) When I say he didn't sleep, like I think the longest he slept for when I first had him was about 20 minutes and then he'd wake up screaming. He was never a happy baby. (sighs) So here I am four months in and the only thing I knew that would work because this is what is talked about through every mom's group and every mom is that I needed to sleep train him. Yeah, and I, you know, I think that's a common 
you know, thought, it's interesting because my girlfriend told me basically, like, don't sleep train, you know, just basically read this book and kind of get an idea of, you know, how to kind of coach the baby. So that's why I'm really interested to see really what your, you know, take is on this. So your baby didn't sleep. And what was your thoughts before you had kids about baby sleeping versus when you brought, you know, you were dealing with your son and the the trouble sleeping? Well, I knew that babies didn't sleep. Like I knew newborns didn't sleep. All I had in my head was like, I'm not going to sleep, but I didn't know what that looked like. And I didn't know what was normal and what wasn't normal. So when I had him, that was my new normal. And unfortunately, I had no idea at the beginning that, you know, he had reflux. He had a tongue and a lip tie that caused him to be an open mouth breather. He was grumpy. He always had indigestion. Like, I just thought that that was newborn sleep. So in my mind, I thought, well, the only way that I can fix this was to train him because I only had one other friend that had had a baby um, close to me and her little guy was an angel. He's what you would call, you know, the unicorn baby. But she had said that she had sleep trained him. So I was like, okay, this is what I need to do. I need to sleep train my child. So at four months, I tried. I tried so many different options and so many different versions and nothing, nothing worked. It got worse. Sleep got worse in our house. And embarrassingly enough we got to one night where I think he cried for 90 minutes and ended up barfing in his crib and that's when I realized like what the heck am I doing like this isn't right so I went back to school yeah I was gonna say like how would you how did you navigate that because I think that no sleep is no joke you know like being dealing with the baby and the frustration of it and also you're dealing with the hormones obviously recovering having that baby so how are you even dealing with that I don't even know, like looking back, I can't even really remember. And my husband wasn't home at the time. Like we had a business that we needed to run and he was running the business. I was taking care of the baby. So he was gone every day from eight in the morning until 11 o'clock at night. So I was by myself all day. Um, But it was that night that it was kind of like that turning point of this isn't right. Like if this is what my child needs to go through to get better sleep, which isn't happening, this doesn't seem right to me. So I started scouring the internet. And funny enough, I came across a very popular sleep training program, looked at the price of it and decided that I maybe could become a sleep trainer and started studying it. And I'm not going to mention the name of it. Yeah, I can already tell what you're talking about, which I avoided. (laughs) Very popular sleep training program. Lots and lots of people use it and teach it. And Um, I started studying it and what was started off as gentle sleep training just ended up leading me in the exact same direction that I had taken with my son, which was if things don't take after a few weeks, you got to just let them cry. And I stopped dead in my tracks, didn't complete the certification, have all the books, have all the work, have everything for it but didn't get certified because I was like, this is just not where I want to go. So I started scouring the internet even more. And that's when I came across Isla Grace, who was all about baby led sleep. And her philosophy and her focus was on, you know, really honoring the child and honoring them for who they are and honoring them for their differences and trying to understand what child development looks like and what it actually needs in order for a child to sleep better and that's where I found out my son had a tongue and a lip tie and that's why he had reflux and that's why he wasn't sleeping so he wasn't you know he didn't need to be trained how to sleep he needed somebody to understand that he wasn't feeling good 
and still to this day, I feel awful that I even went that route. But, you know, you don't know until you know. So Yeah, and how would someone navigate even figuring out, like, if their baby has a tongue tie? I mean, I know lactation consultants can sometimes spot it, but how did you even get about basically finding out that your son had, you know, indigestion and these other issues? Well, he threw up all the time, and he was just grumpy all the time, and he had gas all the time, and he just wasn't sleeping. And at, you know, when I was in the thick of it in my fourth trimester, I just thought I had an unhappy baby, which as I learned now, as I've studied, that there's no such thing as an unhappy baby. There's babies that have discomfort, and there's happy babies. And until you, you know, get to the root of the problem and understand where the discomfort is coming from, you won't have a happy baby. So... Once I started studying and learning and taking in my education and studying with Isla Grace and different specialists in that field, I started investigating and realized, wow, okay, this is what's going on with this little guy. So um, most of it was to benefit me and to understand my little man. And then I decided I wanted to make a career out of it because I was like, man, if I can help other moms not have to go through what I went through or put their children through what I put my child through. That's what I want to do. I want to help moms. Like that's, it just like a light went on one night. So I continued studying and I still continue studying every single day. I mean, that's pretty amazing. I think, you know, what I've discovered after recording so many of these podcasts is like, I think something triggers in us, you know, whatever it may be, where I think we've, you know, some people really just get into these topics or, get inspired by something really to help others. And what have you, so this journey around child development and understanding that, tell us a little bit about that. And, you know, like, what are some valuable things that you, that you've learned after really, you know, studying uh, all of this around babies and sleep? So I think my biggest take on it is understanding, realizing that babies don't need to be trained how to do anything that's biologically normal. So babies know how to sleep. They sleep in utero. They wake up when they're hungry. They fall asleep when they're tired. They know how to sleep. So when they come out into the real world, you have to think you're taking them away from, you know, this person that they've been connected to for the last nine months of their lives with, you know, an infinite supply of food and warmth and comfort. And now you're taking them out of that environment and we're just expecting them to just like instantly adjust to the world around them. And for some babies, they adjust just fine. They have super easygoing personalities because temperament has a lot to do with why and how different babies sleep. Um, Whereas others, you know, maybe they're a little bit have higher sensitivities or just have, you know, more of a strong willed or spirited kind of, you know, personality. And for them... It takes them a lot longer to adjust, you know, bright lights, new sounds, new smells. And this is why some babies come out and they will only sleep if they're on us or connected to us or near us or can smell us. So I think the biggest take that I've gotten on it is just realizing and understanding that it has more to do with your baby and their personality versus their um, ability to sleep or not. I find when a baby is comfortable, that's when they're going to sleep. So it's like, what can we do to make our babies comfortable enough to want to sleep away from us for a little while and that's kind of where I start when I'm teaching my families because I'm not a sleep trainer I'm a sleep educator I educate parents on the normal side of infant sleep so that they can understand hey like my baby's attached to me all the time and they'll only sleep on my chest and so many moms are stressed out that there's going to be their life forever and it's like no your little one just 
needs more time. They're not ready to be separate from you yet. But in the meantime, how can you practice and work towards getting them to be more comfortable so that you can, you know, put them down once in a while, (laughs) go have a hot coffee, have a shower, go pee, whatever it may be, right? Yeah. Tell us a little bit about those babies, because um, I didn't have one myself, um, but I know a lot of people probably listening do. I think it's a common thing that I hear of. So tell us a little bit how you navigate that, you know, or some tips maybe for parents listening of how to navigate that with these babies that, you know, love to be on mom. So it's understanding why they won't sleep unless they're on you and more so accepting it in the sense of, you know, knowing that it is normal for them and that it has nothing to do with you as a mom or what you're doing or if you're doing anything wrong. Um, It's just understanding that they need to be attached to you. So a lot of these babies, I suggest to parents, I'm like, baby, wear them, wear them as much as you can to give them that, that comfort. Um, And I know I'm going to get slapped on the hand for this because bed sharing is a hot topic in the community. But there are ways to safely bed share with a baby. Is it the most comfortable thing for mom? Does it suck to have to pull your mattress into the middle of the room, not allowed to have any pillows or blankets? You're in a side curl for the entire night? Yes, but for some kids, that gets you through, you know, a few months um, of getting better rest because your baby's able to cuddle into you and, you know, nurse on you. Or can you make a sidecar bed so that they're, you know, more attached? close to you within arm's reach, but a little bit safer in the eyes of some people, Um, you know, helping them have the scent nearby. Because another thing I always teach parents is that babies attach to the senses the first year of life. The first thing they attach through is their sense of smell. That's why we stink so bad as women when we first have our kids. If anybody out there knows, we have the worst BO when we first have a baby. Why is that? (laughs) They can. That's how they find your breasts. That's how they find you. So thinking of all the ways that you can kind of try and connect those senses so that you can help your baby be more comfortable being away from you when they're not actually attached to you. Um, because it is, it's, it's disheartening for so many moms when they're like, I can't put my baby down. Like, what am I doing wrong? They cry whenever I put them down. That's just them communicating and being like, you know, I just much prefer being next to you. And there's nothing wrong with that. But it, it's hard. It's very hard. With the first four months of your life, your child is just wanting to be on you or near you all the time. It's tough. You don't get a lot of sleep. But there are different ways that you can kind of navigate it so that you can, you know, make sleeping better for everybody and take the whole family into consideration without thinking that, you know, you're putting a rod in your back or you're setting yourself up for failure for the next, you know, 10 years of your life. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I um, I think, you know, I'm traumatized with the no sleep. And I told my husband, I'm like, well, if we have another baby, maybe I'll just get a night nurse. And I know that sounds probably horrible to someone who sleep educates. So what would you say to the people who fear you know, this no sleep again going into this. And I know you're pregnant, so you're probably the perfect person to ask around navigating it with the second child. Get help. My biggest thing I teach parents is that it's hard. And if we can accept the fact that our babies just want to be near us or on us, in the first four months of life, and I've had this argument with some moms on Instagram, um, babies don't really have a preference. At least they, you know, most of them don't. Um, they just want to be held. They want to be snuggled. They want to be loved. They want to feel safe. So 
I love the idea of a night nurse. I'm hiring my doula back and am I going to have her for overnight so that I can get a full night's sleep? Absolutely. Because that's what we need to do to survive is to have somebody else take those shifts, you know, help get us more sleep, help get through the hard stuff because it shouldn't all be on mom. Mom needs help to get through those times where her baby doesn't want to be put down because you can't change the biological need of the baby, but you can reach out for support so that you can get some rest while somebody else is holding the baby. Yeah, so the doula. So you're going to have this doula come in maybe and help you some overnights. And tell us a little bit about the baby. Like, I mean, do you think that the baby will have any hard time adjusting to another scent, holding them? Like what, you know, from a child development standpoint, what is, you know, what's your philosophy on that? I know you're doing it. So um, what do you think about that? So like I mentioned, um, babies don't really have a preference in the first four months because they don't really know what's going on. Around four months is when they really wake up to the world and they understand what's going on. So in those first four months, if you can have, like say if the doula is going to, you know, wrap the baby in a blanket, I'm just going to make sure that it, I've, you know, worn it in my shirt or put it around my neck or slept with it the night before so that it smells like me. Because as long as my scent is there, he'll probably be pretty comfortable. Um, if it comes down to, if I'm able to, you know, breastfeed, cause I wasn't with my first, she'll bring the baby to me. I'll feed, she'll take him, she'll do the burp, she'll do the change and she'll snuggle him back to sleep. So the fact that I'm introducing her into his life from day one will also kind of help as well, because anybody that you introduce and I call it the village of attachment, your little attachment village anybody you introduce from day one, it makes it a lot easier for them to attach those different people. Whereas when it's up to just mom for the first four months, then all of a sudden mom's like, oh, I need help. Now this baby has this preference to mom and only mom. And that's why we have troubles having other caregivers come in or even having dad come in. Cause the baby's like, hmm, no, I prefer this person. She's been, you know, hanging out with me for the last little while. <laughs> Whereas, you know, my doula helped out with my son the first time. And even now he saw her for the first time in almost a year and his face just lit up and he started playing with her right away. Cause it's almost like, I was like, I wonder if he remembers her. She was with him for the first six months of his life. So how long would you suggest someone have someone come in? I mean, how long are you planning on having the doula help you overnight? What's your plan? Um, my plan is the first six weeks, I'm going to get her to come in probably twice a week so that I can get at least, you know, two nights a week of full solid sleep so that I can heal. And then after that, um, I'll see, cause my husband's around this time. So our situation is a little bit different. Last time I was on my own all day, um, into the late evening. So now it's just a matter of getting us both some rest so that we also can, you know, be with our son during the day as well because he's a very high energy spirited little boy that literally requires two people at all times so <laughs> we're we're doing six weeks because I figure it'll take about six weeks for me to heal regardless of how I deliver whether it's vaginally or c-section so I figured that was a good amount of time and then two days out of those weeks of getting a good you know eight to ten hour stretch if I can um and just kind of going from there so it's, it would look different for everybody. Some people prefer to have, you know, um, a night nurse or a doula come in full time for two weeks to help with that kind of side of things. It all just kind of depends on how you're feeling or what you're comfortable with. Um, I know a lot of people are not even comfortable with having a night nurse or a night doula um, just because they want to have that bond with their baby. 
But I think with your second, it's a lot easier to be like, no, they're good. Like, they just need comfort and snuggles and food. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly why I asked that question, because I'm thinking the same thing. Yeah. So tell us a little bit how long you're working with families and a little bit about the leaps, too, because I'm actually curious about that also. So one, how long are you typically working with a family um, with their baby? And the second is, how do we really combat these leaps that babies do where they're like, you know, going through that fussy phase? What do we do? So when I work with a family, it's anywhere between months because I will sell a package that is one-on-one for a month, but I allow families to take pauses and breaks in our work together for leaps. Um, Just because I am a firm believer that when a child is going through a leap, the last thing we want to do is start changing a lot of things on them. Because you already have to think the reason why they're going through a developmental leap is because there's so much going on in their bodies and brains, which is why they're more clingy. They're, you know, they cry a lot more. They have troubles with sleep or they're just working on new skills in general, like, you know, trying to master downward dog or rocking on all fours or crawling, whatever it may be. So they're already going through all of that. Now we're having issues with sleep. And unfortunately, this is the time when parents want to come in and sleep train, which is now creating this separation between you and your child and trying to, you know, change their night routines Whereas in the work that I do, I tell mom and dad, let's take a break in the work that we're doing. And I just want you to focus on your child. So I want you to focus on what they're doing during the day and however you can support them with what they're working on, support them. And whatever issues that you're having through nighttime sleep and challenges overnight, support them. Let them know that you're there for them. Some six-month-olds will wake up for an hour in the middle of the night, happy and content and wide awake because they can't stop thinking about everything that's going on in their lives. It's like, you know, waking up in the middle of the night before you're going to go on a big fun trip. As an adult, we can't get back to sleep because we're so excited. You have to think, your baby's going through the same stuff. So I like to take a pause, support, see what my child's working on, see what they need, get in there, help them along the way. And then once things start to settle down or they've mastered that new skill, then we go back in and slowly start to make changes again and kind of shift some patterns and shift how we're doing things. So the thing with leaps is that they come and they go. And the worst thing I think, in my opinion, that we can do for a child is completely turn their routine and their patterns around while they're working on so much already. It's just like adding more into the pot, right? So that's why I've worked with some families. Oh my goodness. It's taken three months of us going through stuff together because we've taken a week off here, a week off there. Um, just to kind of let them do their thing. Because like I said, I'm not a sleep trainer. So it's not like I give parents this, you know, program and I'm like, check in with me and let me know how it's going. I'm back and forth. We're talking about what, you know, nutrition, they're talking about what their child ate, what their child did, how the wakes are going. And I'm more so coaching them and educating them along the way versus trying to, you know, make big changes. So I teach them stuff now that they can use for every leap moving forward and every big thing that they go through moving forward. So I'm sure people who are listening are thinking, well, what do I do when I'm not sleeping? Because I think selfishly you're thinking when your baby's going through a leap also, like I'm getting no sleep, like this is crazy. Um, So how are you helping parents while the babies are going through the leaps in terms of their sleep also and managing that? So my biggest suggestion to parents is 
divide and conquer during these times. So make sure you have support. Make sure you and your spouse are working together as a team. Um, and I, it's funny, I had a post blow up on Instagram because I said that partners should be helping their wives even if they have to work the next day. Good for you. But um and defending their partners, so be it. But you need to work together as a team because the thing is is that there are ways to get sleep while your baby isn't sleeping. And there are things that you can do to support better sleep. Like for instance, my son went through a massive leap at eight months, was not sleeping unless I was near him, but I didn't have my bed set up for safe bed sharing. So I put a floor bed on the floor of his room. I was able to easily wake up, attend to his wakes before he got upset or distraught, um, help him get back to sleep. And then I quickly went back to sleep on my floor bed. So there's so many different ways to get through those times of, you know, sleep challenges. They just don't look the way I think we want them to look at times. I think as some parents, we expect, you know, our baby should be sleeping through the night at a certain age. We should be sleeping through the night at a certain age and life is great and life goes on. But that's not always the case. So sometimes you really have to adapt to those changes and, you know, come up with really creative solutions as to how you can get better rest while your child is kind of going through this stuff or they just need you close. Yeah, I think that's great advice. I mean, and I think about single parents too, bringing in help. But I think the reality is, is it really does take a team to raise a child, regardless if you have a spouse or not, you're still going to need support from your parents or your family or friends or whatever it may be. And so I agree with you. I think it's good to have someone to help you in the night because it's hard getting no sleep is no joke it's so hard especially in those first few months and I know they always say sleep when the baby's sleeping but you can end up in a situation like I was in where it's like my child's only sleeping 20 minutes at a time there's no way I can get a nap in <laughs> I mean there's no way so what exactly happened with your your son so your own story is you figured out you know you had a tongue tie and also had indigestion and some other issues so you fixed those problems with a provider and then kind of started to work on things from a sleep perspective but so how did things unfold for you on your end so we started investigating and i actually didn't treat his ties until he was two and a half because i just didn't know enough at that point but we did pinpoint that dairy was very agile like um it it aggravated the reflux so we went to go actually see a couple specialists as soon as we started removing dairy and got him on the hydrolyzed formula that really helped in regards to like him just being grumpy and having a lot of discomfort but in all honesty as soon as that sleep training fiasco happened with him getting sick and me throwing in the towel, I kind of gave up and was like, I'm just going to hold you until you fall asleep every night. I'm going to snuggle you until you fall asleep every night because that's what you want. And that's what you're asking for. And that's what I'm fighting against because I have it in my head that you need to be, you know, going down drowsy, but awake and you need to be falling asleep independently. You need to learn how to self-soothe and all these things that they teach you, but they have no science backing up of why you need to do these things. So I almost felt like I was rebelling. Like when people would ask me about my son's sleep, I would lie. When people asked me how I got him to sleep, I would lie. Because I didn't want anybody to know that I, you know, was comforting my child to sleep every single night. Because that just seemed like, you know, the crazy thing to do. 
And funny enough, uh, around eight and a half, almost nine months, he started wanting to go into his crib awake and just kind of hang out until he fell asleep. So, and this is what I teach parents is that the more you try and force something on children, the more they're going to push back. They, you know, they're going to hold on as long as they need to hold on for. And the more we push against that, they're going to hold on even longer. So for him, because I instantly just switched, flipped it, started offering the support and helping him sleep, he started wanting to go down on his own because he felt comfortable enough to do so. And then as the years went on, I shouldn't say years, year and a half went on, um, he really relied on his soother to get back to sleep and that worked great for us. He'd wake up in the night, put a soother in, go back to sleep. Um, and then eventually I did more and more research on tongue ties and just the issues that they actually caused later on in life. Um, so that's what prompted me to, you know, go and get my sons clipped at two and a half years old. Cause I just wanted to make sure that I was setting him up the best I could for, you know, teen, teenage and adulthood. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the valuable thing is, you know, from this conversation really is the fact that like sleep training doesn't always need to be done. It's like there's people, you know, sleep educator, educators like yourself that exist who really can help a family navigate this because it is really a family thing. You know, when your baby isn't sleeping, it's affecting everybody. Absolutely. Yeah. So how would someone find you if they want to work with you? How do they find you? So I'm on Instagram under Little Village Sleep. Funny enough, that is all that I am on right now. You can find me my website, uh, www.littlevillagesleep.com. I'm actually on maternity leave right now, but I probably will be coming back in the next three or four months or so. I think I'm going to get through that fourth trimester and then see how I feel. Because I am a sleep educator, a lot of what I do is working, instead of working with families one-on-one for those long, long periods of time, most of my work is actually just doing hourly education calls. So I've worked with some parents from, you know, the moment their child was born and then they kind of contact me through every leap or if they want to work on weaning, or if they want to work on, you know, going from contact napping to crib napping. So we'll sit for an hour, I'll offer as much education as I can around the topic. They have a choice of just doing the Zoom call or doing the Zoom with resources um, and just information attached to the call, um, just so that they can kind of do things on their own and navigate things on their own. And the best part is, is the moms that have started with me since their baby was born. I find parents that are more educated around normal infant sleep and what that should look like have less issues with sleep down the road. So more so they're reaching out because they're like, hey, Lisa, you know, I've decided that I want to wean my daughter and I just want to do it in the best way possible, in the gentlest way possible while honoring her personality. And then we work on that together. So there's no one size fits all with me. Um, Every client I work with, I'm like up until 11 o'clock at night, creating them their own strategies based on who I think their child is off of, you know, a 90 minute call or an intake. So that's amazing. So you'll be back probably in October 2022. So sometime later in the fall or what are you thinking? Yeah, I'm hoping. Um, I guess what I've told every client that's reached out is that it depends on this little guy. If God gives me a unicorn and he sleeps really well, (laughs) I could be back sooner than later. But if he is a handful like my son was, I'll probably need those four months to recoup before I come back. 
but I will be my website is going to be um, updated in the next month here and I am going to be offering all of the guides that I've created um, that I actually give to my full-time clients for sale um, for super cheap because they're just short little guides that you can you know read through um, I also have webinars on my website so there are ways to kind of get some of my education without me being around just by simply purchasing things off my website if you're more of like a do-it-yourself kind of mama or you just want to learn more about attachment or you know emotions and all the kind of stuff that I teach within my work and if you follow me on Instagram you know what I'm all about <laughs> so my webinars kind of go in a little bit deeper to all of these topics that I talk about and touch on on IG yeah, and as we finish, Lisa, first of all, thank you for all the information because this is great. I'm sure there's listeners who are thinking, I really need to, you know, contact you or maybe they're pregnant right now or struggling with the baby um, sleeping that at least they'll know how to get to you. Um, so, you know, as we finish, first of all, good luck with your delivery. I wish you well with that. Um, that's, um, it's going to be exciting to have a second child. Um, really, really a blessing. Um, but what well wish would you send to anybody, you know, dealing with, you know, educating their baby towards sleep, dealing with moms, you know, who are struggling really to get their babies down and navigate that? What advice or well wish would you send to them? I think the biggest thing I want moms to know is that it's not anything that you're doing and how well your child does or doesn't sleep is not a reflection of who you are as a mom. Um, your baby is your baby. They are who they are. They have that personality. It's theirs. They need to, you know, they can own it. You don't need to. Um, and just try to get to know them the best that you can so that you can understand what they're telling you and what they need from you. And if they're a really needy child, make sure you're reaching out for help so that somebody's filling up your cup while you're constantly emptying your cup into them. Because some kids need us more than others. Um, but yeah, your child's sleep has nothing to do with your worth as a mom. Like you're doing a great job. I promise that little person is thankful for you every single day, whether they're grumpy or not. Well, thanks. I, um, I really, really appreciate you coming on. I thought it was, you were a great person, um, to talk about sleep educating and not sleep training, um, because it's important for people to know the different avenues that there are that exist to really help navigate, you know, babies and sleep. So thank you so much for coming on. I'm sure there's someone out there who's really thankful to listen to this. So thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And if you ever have any questions, I can always be reached through my email. I'll be checking it through my postpartum and I'll be updating you guys on my baby sleep, my new guy, because yeah, I want you guys to know what it's like as a sleep educator to go through postpartum um, and just kind of how I deal with, you know, sleep deprivation. So, well, thanks. We appreciate it. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks again for listening to another episode of Moms on the Mic with Mariah. We will see you all back here again next Monday. Go ahead and follow us on Spotify, Apple, and any major podcast platforms. On Apple Podcasts, rate and review us. Follow us on IG, YouTube, and TikTok at Moms on the Mic with Mariah. And let me know what issues you guys would like to hear on the podcast and any feedback. And also, if you'd like to come on and tell your story, go ahead and throw me a DM. Thanks again, and we'll see you guys next Monday. Another story from another lovely person. See ya.